was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown through every zoo, Katie Blue on the Saturday. Well, hey there once again, town baseball junkies. I'm your host, Josh Item, and you found another episode of the Small Town Baseball Commute. For this episode, we take our first trip across the river into Minnesota, and we talk with left-handed pitcher Keith Myers of the Cannon Falls Bears. We get to learn what the job description of a ball hawk is, as well as taking uh, time to talk a little bit about what it's like to have a competitive pitcher and try to take that pitcher out of a game. So let's get to it, our episode with longtime Bears ace Keith Myers. All right, well, here we are again on the small town baseball commute. And this morning on the line, I've got a friend of mine from Minnesota. So this is our first. Crossing the border. Yeah, Keith Myers from the Cannon Falls Bears. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Josh. So you've had an interesting morning. You're somebody who I know is always on point and always on game. Uh, but we almost had to cancel this morning because of uh, a random thing at your house. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I woke up about 4 o'clock uh, to one of the fire alarms beeping upstairs. Uh walked into the living room, and my son was laying on the living room floor sleeping and quickly realized it was his fire alarm battery that was dead. So um, early 4 a.m. wake-up call, and and you know when that happens, it's uh, sometimes difficult to fall back asleep. So. I was laying there and just staring at the ceiling for a couple hours, and and uh, hey, here we are. We're uh, I, I I thought about canceling. I'm like, and then and then when I texted you, I, I was wide awake right away. So why not just uh, just get up and get on with the day? Well, I mean, when you're this excited, it's like game day when you're just this excited to get on <laughs> a low budget piece of crap podcast. Why? I mean, how could you how could you fall back asleep, right? Right, it's a border battle. It's too. a border battle. Yeah, border battle. Did you have to play that game too, where you had to figure out which one is beeping? Because I've had to play that game before, and it's just not a fun game. Right, and then the best part was, some of my smoke detectors have uh, two AA batteries, and some of them have nine volt. So I, I'm reaching up to the ceiling, trying to jam two AA batteries in, and realize that it, it was a, because my son had already tried to pull the pull the battery, so the battery wasn't in there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it gets your heart moving a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good PSA, too, for everybody. Go, you know, fall, go change all your smoke alarm batteries and maybe replace the ones that still take double A's. I don't know. That's right. Okay, and then, you know. Uh, yeah. No, keep oh, going. Yep. Sorry. No, let's, let's, get in, let's get into baseball. So, uh, you know, I was, I was telling you that most of our listeners, I suspect at this point, you know, are about 90, 90% from our side of the border here in Wisconsin. So tell us a little bit about your journey into town baseball, and and then we'll get into a little bit of the Cannon Falls Bears and, um, you know, who's had a, a team with some, some really cool culture that I've admired for a long time. But um, how'd you get into town baseball, Keith? Sure. My, I guess my earliest um, memory of town baseball was uh, like the 91 state tournament, Cannon Falls and Red Wing hosted and I was a ball hawk. So our current manager of the Bears, Bubba Brentnell, and myself were ball hawks for that tournament. And a ball hawk, basically one of us would, would uh, chase down fall balls, and the other guy would 
put the uh, manual scoreboard numbers up every inning, and then we'd switch jobs every game. And we'd get, I think we'd get paid like five bucks a game. And, and uh, man, I just loved being at the ballpark. And then, you know, through the years, obviously I was 91, I was about 12 years old. So through the years, I, I only lived two or three blocks from the ball yard. So I would go down there and watch games and, and uh, you know, hit with the guys sometimes and just hang out. And by the time I graduated high school, I just knew that, that uh, I wanted to be part of that and, and had the good fortune to play some college baseball. And then, you know, once I was, well, even during college, I was, I was playing with the bears. So it was, you know, it was, it was just one of those things that you just knew that you kind of found that, that love early and uh, just happened to be 12 years old. And, and I think, you, you know, you being a teacher, you know, those are the years that the kid, you find kind of find your passion. So. Yeah. We used to, we used to run a baseball camp in River Falls. It still runs it's still the dreams that, that was running it with Brian Giebel, but we called it the Sandlot Camp. And it seemed like every year the kids who had the most fun, uh, you know, were our 11, 12-year-olds. That's right in the wheelhouse of baseball. It's when you, you're collecting your cards and you're chewing your bubble gum and you stop putting them in your spokes because you don't want to damage them. But yeah. at least you start putting the bad players in the spokes of your bike and, and knowing the difference. <laughs> uh, yep. So uh, let's go back to a ball, being ball hawks this is something that has never, never occurred to me as, as we've struggled to get fall balls back forever, um, offering just about an arm and a leg to get them back. So this was a paid position. You were employed by the Cannonball Bears. I mean, I don't want to reveal any yeah. labor law violations. Yeah. Is that something that well, and, still, and I'm, you still employ ball hawks? You know, um, we haven't, but then this year we hosted the region tournament and my my son, my oldest son is 13. My youngest son is 11. So, one of uh, my son's uh, buddies just moved in to the to the place right behind the, the ballpark. So he was hanging out the ball ballpark on it was early like 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And I said, Hey, Gavin, are you going to be at the game all day today? And he said, Yeah. I said, Hey, I'll pay you 10 bucks a game if you just chase down every fall ball that you can find. And he's hung out all day and he was there and we got a rain delay too. So he was there till like midnight and uh, was a trooper and, and got it done. So I think we're, we're going to reintroduce the ball Hawk here in, in the next year or two. That seems like a good idea. I think we, we have more like ball scavenger turkeys. So I love that kids are riding <laughs> up on their bikes, but they're all coming home, going home with their pockets full. Uh, with, uh, yes. Ball scavengers. That's a good idea. We might we might join you guys in that. So Cannon Falls Bears have had um, tell us a little bit about the Bears. They've just I don't we don't need the uh, you know exhaustive history, but um, I know we guys we've come over and since the days when we were in Spring Valley, come over and played you guys and just love playing down there. So uh, tell us a little bit about the Bears. Sure. The short version: the old Bears uh, in the '50s and '60s uh, were a perennial powerhouse. They won the state tournament back in '52, and uh, then they they kind of in the, in the '70s they kind of went away for a while. So, in '86, I guess the quote unquote new Bears started up uh, with a local board, and and that's who we've kind of uh, descended from. So, I uh, about 1997 is when I graduated high school and became part of the organization. 
I think we've probably been to oh, 12 to 15 state tournaments during that time period. Um, you know, the most recent being this year, we took third in 2009. And, uh, and you know, Rich Burr, if you know, you know Rich Burr, he's, he's been on the team since 1990. So he's our, he's our local historian because he was a, he was a bat boy for the Cannon Falls Comets, who were the other town team in, in town uh, back in the 70s when his dad played. So there was actually two town teams in Cannon Falls from about 1986 to, I'd say, the mid-90s. Um, and the Bears are still standing. Yeah. Which is so you talk about a little bit of a, a town baseball mecca to be able to field two teams. How many people are in Cannon Falls for people that don't know where Cannon Falls is? Yeah, there's about about four thousand people. We we fill our team out. We our roster we can have twenty five and, and we pretty much have twenty five every year, which is a good problem to have. Uh you know, good high school baseball organization that kind of feeds the program and and from a Bears standpoint, uh, you know, I, I think I give Rich Burr a lot of credit. When he first started, they barely had enough money in the checkbook to buy baseballs. And uh, now we do we do a golf tournament fundraiser. We we obviously now we sell beer in the concession stand. As you know, that helps. Um, and we do a lot of different things and, and have, have become financially pretty solvent to be able to not just support our program but also support the youth baseball programs in town. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of your playing days here, too. Um, I know a lot about – I shouldn't say a lot, but I know um, your prowess as a pitcher, um, not only for the Bears, but then you've had the experience of getting drafted as a pitcher quite a few times, too. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what that experience is like for to be a drafted pitcher and kind of walk onto a team around playoff time? Curious about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and, and you know I've been blessed to to have my health for, for a lot of years to be able to still compete at at a decent level still, um, which obviously that's coveted as a pitcher come playoff time. So, the Minnesota in Minnesota State baseball, I don't. Do you guys have drafted people in into playoffs at all? You know, we change the rules every about every year, but yeah, uh, okay. the steady one for a while has been. Um, picking up one drafted player of any position. This year we did the first tournament change in forever where they did a more of a double elimination final, so we were able to draft two players this year. Okay. So, yeah, for sure. So it used to be prior to about, oh, 2012, 13, uh, you could draft a pitcher and a catcher, um, and, and those are the only two positions the players could play, but at that point they could hit. So you'd see a lot of teams drafting, you know, a center fielder because he was a really good hitter and, and make him catch the game. Um, about that time, they they eliminated the the ability to draft catchers, and they also uh, took the rule out that you could hit. So now the pitchers are only able to pitch, um, but you can draft uh, three players into the state tournament from your region is how our region does it. Some regions do – they draft out a league to, to region playoffs and then draft uh, uh, one or two to the state tournament. But our region drafts, drafts the three into, into the, from the region into the state tournament. Um, as far as getting drafted, it, it, it's, it is kind of a surreal experience, but it's kind of, you know, and, you know, with your book, obviously, 
you kind of you kind of have those those roles on the on the team that that almost every team has, right? The the goofball, the the serious kid. I mean, it, it's just every team has them, and and that's kind of the the eye opener to to being drafted is. You know, there's a lot of really, really uh, good baseball teams out out there, but there's a lot of good groups of guys too. And and when you're hanging out with baseball guys, they're they're not always a lot different. They're obviously different people, but some of the same personalities. And and uh, you know, I've never really had an issue um, with any teams or any players. Um, and and I don't know if that's just because I've gained some respect of of being a good ball player for a while. Or just that I've treated people the right way too, but um, it is, you know, it is interesting in that dynamic of in, in being an ace and sometimes replacing an ace. Um, you know, the the dynamic that the manager goes through to to go with a guy that's not his. And yeah. um, you know, I, I was a manager with the Bears for 11 years, so I felt that dynamic of boy, do I go with do I go with uh, Johnny from, from St. Patrick or do I stick with my guy because I trust my guy? And a lot of that is communication and just having a conversation beforehand. But um, some of that is just being a good team player and knowing your role. So That's a tough one because sometimes you can have the conversation beforehand too and everything seems like it's on the up and up. And then later later you can find out, well, that guy was kind of upset that he didn't get to pitch that game and this guy did and I mean, we were lucky this year to have um, a pitching staff that those guys were all really focused on on winning. You know, when your team is really focused and when their goal really is winning during the playoffs, that makes it makes it easy. But the years that maybe that's not necessarily the goal or, you know, there's some agendas, but that, those are hard decisions. And I know I've made the wrong decision in hindsight over and over. <laughs> when, when you lose yeah. a game that you're like, well, we – I can remember one year where, um, you know, our, our our draftee was probably our best pitcher. We didn't throw him the first game. We're all single limb over here. So then we were done, and this guy never threw. And you go, how did you – why did you waste that draftee? Because then that guy, um, you know, maybe doesn't want to get drafted by you again either. Is In in Minnesota, Keith, isn't it like a – isn't it more of a draft draft in some places, almost like – like the NBA draft, like with the first pick, can't afford to select Roger Clemens, right? Yeah, yeah. After the after the the region championship game, the the teams that that move on to state get together and they start making phone calls of guys they want to draft. And like this year, Rochester was the one seed, so they called a couple guys to see if they they would go with them. And now, if if you decline to get drafted by one team, you cannot accept that from the next team so you know if right. if rochester says you know joe blow from uh, meesville do you want to get drafted and he says no he we can't draft him second um so that you know that dynamic actually this year took like 45 minutes to draft three guys each because we had a lot of guys that just didn't want to get drafted and I'm sure some of that's COVID, some of that's weddings in August, and some of that's just being being done with baseball for the summer. So, yeah. Well, I like that process. We lack a process over on our side, so it's it's sort of like the, the sweepstakes, and you get some upset feelings between managers too because the, you, there's different philosophies. Some people will talk to players before their season is even over. I don't 
personally like to do that. Um, I guess my philosophy is just wait till everybody's done before you start having conversations about picking up guys for the playoffs. But you'll have some guys start the conversation with different players in the league in in the month of May. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. make a lot of sense. Back to the uh, making poor decisions and, and uh, managing the Bears for 11 years. There, you know, there was a couple times. Obviously, being the pitcher and the manager, there's um, there's a dynamic there that sometimes is difficult to manage. But there was a game in the state tournament that I had pitched the day before, and uh, I re-entered my or I, I came in relief the next day to pitch uh, because it was a lefty heavy lineup, and and they were struggling to hit the lefty draftee that we had drafted, but he was done, and. Um, and our number two pitcher was not happy with me at all. Uh, in fact, and we ended up losing the game on a, on an error on a, on a run, but, um, you know, he just thought that he was a better spot, better, had a better opportunity to get out at that point. And it's hard for me to argue that because we don't ever know what it's, what's going to happen. But yeah. when you're 26, 27 years old and you think you can do anything, that those are the things that you do to try to win. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, Roger Dorn in Major League when he walks in the clubhouse and says, I activated myself. Not quite like you're, you're a little better player, I think, than Roger Dorn, but <laughs> that's one of my favorite oh, that's funny. of all time, I think. Good news, gentlemen. I activated myself. Are you, uh, are, you easy to t- are you easy or hard to take out of a game? This has been – so it's easy to – here's what I've found. When, it's, when you're managing, it's easy to take yourself out or put yourself in because it's just you, but, um, you know, it's easier, it's easier to sit myself than it is for me to decide to sit somebody else. Sometimes that's how I'll make a hard decision. I will just sit. That'll make it easier. No one will be mad at me. Yeah. That's kind of a wimpy way to do it. But um, I've got a few guys right now whose names rhyme with Kyle Fritz and Weston Lombard who are hard to take out of games. They do never want to come out of a game and you try to protect the arms of the young guys a little bit. Are you hard or easy to take out of a game? What's your history um, his, Historically, I'm, I've been very difficult to take out of the game. Um, when I was managing, I mean, there was a game I threw 215 pitches, um, 15 innings. We, it was a 0-0 game, and we ended up losing in the 15th. Um, there was a game in Elko where I took myself out after 13. It was 0-0. And then I re-entered in the 15th to close it out because they had the bases loaded, um, and it was a three-to-two ball game. Now, that doesn't mean – I mean, I, I I do feel like I have some self-awareness of what I'm, I'm capable of. Um, this year in the state tournament, after four innings and, and struggling to – I wouldn't say struggling to get outs, but struggling to get outs, uh, you know, just making good pitches and they were hitting the ball, it was very easy for me to say, hey, Look, it's time for somebody else to go out there and 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 try to get some outs here. So, I think in the in the past I've I've known my capabilities and known when to when to pull the plug, um, mm-hmm. but I've been fortunate to be able to get outs um, even through nine innings sometimes, uh, yeah. which isn't always a good thing either because it gives you that full sense of I can do this when sometimes you you need help. So right. So now when someone comes to, so if Bubba comes to take you out, is that just your conversation with Bubba or does the infield ever get involved? Um, or are they quiet? They just they just let Keith talk to Bubba? If Bubba comes out and I'm and I'll just tell him it's time. 
Yeah. It's not even, he doesn't even have to tell me. Um, and I, I tell him that before the game, hey, Bubs, I will let you know if I'm done, I'm done. And I'll, I'll tell you that. And it, ha- it happens you know, more and more frequently now that I've hit my 40s. But, um, you know, that I, I know that the dynamic of me being the manager for 11 years and him kind of taking that role for me and me still be, being part of the team is is a hard one to for him to manage too. So I'm trying to make it easy on him and just say, hey, when I'm done, and even this year in the state tournament, he was pretty surprised that I told him, hey, yeah. it's it's time for Woodward to go out and get some outs because I'm not doing the job. And uh yeah. And I hope I hope he you know respects that and, and appreciates it. But you know nobody's perfect. Uh, obviously, I've I've uh, gone out there too long many times, but trying to get better. You both. Yeah, you and me both. I think well, you and Bubba have been good friends for a long time. I know so that I think that dynamic is probably just fine. I only ask that because uh, I got I got told in our state tournament over here by my entire infield when I went out to take our pitcher out, get get out of here, just get out of here. So we let him have one more batter, and it turns out we were right on the bench. But but it's one thing to get told off by your pitcher. It's another thing to get told off by your pitcher and your entire infield. You just walk walk with your head down back to the dugout. <laughs> so, yep. so I get it. But that's that competitiveness that you want your guy to have, right? You don't want your guy to just constantly be looking in like, oh, my God, it's getting hairy out here. Come get me out of here. Yep. So that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. You know, when I, when I would have that conversation with guys when I was the manager um, – you know, I'd, I'd usually let him have a little input, but uh, the ultimate decision is, hey, all right, you're telling me you're okay, but these are your mechanics and this is what's going on. So if if you're okay, then fix it. But mm-hmm. you got you got to get the job done here because we need you. You know. Yeah. Well, in some ways, it's crisis decision making, right? Somebody's just got to make a decision. Those are the hardest situations mm-hmm. when you if you walk, you might as well not walk out there if you haven't decided yet. Because in a crisis, the last thing that everybody needs when you walk out there is, is to go like, eh, I could maybe take you out, but I don't know if I'm going to take you out. Like, that's a different <laughs> conversation than just going, all right, I need to take you out, but I'm going to give you one last chance. How do you feel? That's different, right? you got to lead yep, with authority, right. right? Hey, we know that you need to come out of this game. And then you get some choice words on the way back and be like, yep, well, that was your one chance. And then you walk away and then you see how it goes. <laughs> Yep. And you hope it works out. And you never, you, you rarely, rarely as a manager, do you remember the times that it worked out? You remember all the times that it didn't work out. That's human nature right there. That is the truth. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, uh, so, uh Keith, I, I have yeah. a real quick question for you, Josh. Yeah. With the, with the COVID summer, um, I know we had a couple games on the, on the schedule that didn't end up happening, but how did you, how did, how did your summer go? The summer went really well. Um, we, you know, I think with with uh, COVID summer, we were all lucky to be playing a sport that was outside, right? So to be able to play as many as many games as we got in, I think we got 28 games in in the summer in a month and a half. Um, that was great. And I, you know, the people in in River Falls, we had a lot of people coming out of the park. But you know, when you sat out and and watched for a little bit, because that was our job. Um, you know, you could see people weren't just roaming all over the place or being ridiculous. They were sitting with the people that they came with, you know, with their families or their close friends they've been hanging out with. So I thought everything around the ballpark, everything managed managed COVID really well. I was thinking the other day uh, how hard it is sometimes 
we've talked a little bit about it this morning about to be a be a player manager and then um but then throw COVID on top of it right and try to manage try to manage COVID okay. response plus playing plus managing baseball and that's why when I finished the stat book, Keith, and I saw that I hit 170, 176 this summer, I'm just going to blame COVID. I think COVID yeah. is the fault of everything. So <laughs> I'm going to say this was uh, that sub-200 batting average was, uh, you know, that's COVID. Maybe low-level COVID. Yep. Yeah. So how well, I was go, excited how to see the – the park for you guys? Yeah. It was good. It was good. I know you guys made it over here. I was excited to see the new turf on your field, and unfortunately we didn't make it over. But, no, I think we had the same experience as you did. I think people were smart about it, and and we gave we kind of just opened up all of our gates and let people walk in and and uh, bring their lawn chairs and set up wherever they wanted. And I, I'm very thankful that we were able to play ball um, this summer, and and it made it made the summer feel somewhat normal. Yeah, that's exactly – I would agree that you had, um, other than the COVID responsibilities we've talked about, but you still got to, for three, four hours, kind of escape that reality that we're, that we're living right now. And it's, it's difficult, but it's, um, it was well worth it this summer for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if I don't get out of the car, I'm going to be late for work. So um, – Thanks, Josh. I guess – yeah, thanks for the conversation this morning, Keith. Always good to talk to you, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll see you next summer for sure. We'll get the Bears back on the back on the schedule. We'll get you guys up on the turf, and we love coming down to Cannon Falls, so we'll be over for sure. Awesome, I appreciate right. it. Yeah, good luck with your uh, enjoy your day replacing those uh, replacing those fire alarms too. Get rid of those double A's. No one needs That's right. That's right. People just steal the double A's out of there and put them in their remote. So you just, it's unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they are, the Wii and the PlayStation, for sure. That's that's exactly where those batteries are. I would go back and ask your son about that when he gets up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a good rest of your morning. You too. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay.